Hello, What the Foxers. This is Amber Ross, one of your co-hosts of What the Fox podcast, just popping in with a quick reminder before today's episode. Um, It is summertime, and this summer, Lindsay and I are doing something a little different. We are bringing back some of the most popular, some of the most well-loved, some of the most influential episodes from previous seasons, um, and just sharing those with you again for some new insights, some new opportunities, and for the folks who weren't with us at that period of time. So stick around, hang in there. Today's episode um, is going to be amazing. And we wanted to quickly remind you that we are so very grateful for our sponsor, uh, Therapy Appointment. Therapy Appointment is built for therapists by therapists and is the practical tool for starting, growing, and managing your practice. So check them out. um, And just thank you so much for being here with us this summer. And we hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the What the Fox podcast with your hosts, Lindsay Fox and Amber Ross. Today we have our Ode to Mother's Day episode and we are truly fortunate to have an incredible guest with us that Lindsay is going to introduce. That's right. Hello, everyone. Today we are welcoming Adrian Wood. And in case that name doesn't sound too familiar off the top of your head, I guarantee her blog does. So her blog or vlog, depending on which one you follow, because she has about 300,000 followers, um, is called the Tales of the Educated Debutante. So Adrian, welcome to What the Fox. Thank you for having me. What a treat. Yes, we are thrilled to have you here. And so, you know, a big part of choosing not just Mother's Day to have you on, but having you on during the month of May is because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And if there is one thing that um, Amber and I really appreciate, appreciate about your blog, it is the fact that you do raise awareness about mental health conditions that include, but are not limited to autism. Mm. And this is a very important condition that I feel like so many people are not aware of until it happens to them, until they meet someone or have someone in their family or their immediate sphere of influence that it affects. Yeah, I would agree. I definitely would agree. I think that's really what drove me to start writing. I thought, you know, either I haven't been listening or people haven't been talking. And there was probably a little of both. I was going to say probably both. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yes. And actually I was sharing a little bit before we started recording that I'm, I'm fangirling a little bit over here because I found Adrian many, many moons ago when I was nannying for a family who had two children that had special needs. And I found Adrian online and started learning all of the things about autism, all of the things about, um, being a healthy part of that family and being able to be there for them support wise. And just Adrian, I wanted to tell you like the information you share was so critical for me to be a positive experience in their lives for the time period that I was with them as their nanny. And I still keep in touch. They're doing amazing. And just, I want to say thank you, because if you think that people are not reading and learning from what you share, you are so wrong, my friend, and please do not stop sharing. Oh, well, thank you. That, that really is that's exactly why I want to share for that, for that very reason. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly feel that Amber is just one of so many different lives that you've touched. And, um, I feel like typical of being a mom, we don't typically give ourselves enough credit. And I just feel like this is the time, especially around mother's day, where it's like, uh, where you deserve credit, where credit is due mom. (laughs) You have been a super mom, not only momming your own kids, which by the way, Adrienne has four children. Um, and with her youngest having autism. Uh, but just the fact that you still create time in your life to educate and inspire others and to, um, teach people what it's like to become a part of this different type of world that a lot of people don't know about and how to support Mm. these young individuals who are trying to just sort through their version of life and their perspective of things. Yeah, that is, that is exactly it. And, you know, not just, well, the autism bit, but just that life in general, I mean, it is, it (laughs) is funny. I mean, you know, and it's like, we all need 
support and need each other. And I want you to look at me and have my inside reflect my outside, not like everything's perfect. I'm fine. <laughs> you know, and then because that, that'll make other people feel like, well, S H I T. Why am I so unable to do things? And she's got it all together. You know, yeah. like we've got to help each other and be honest. I mean, it's, it's okay. That Absolutely. honesty thing, right? That honesty mm-hmm. thing is a kicker for so many people. Um, because I think, so I think given the fact that most of your followers are on Facebook, Amber and I do joke about how we kind of like, um, knock social media a little bit on this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) um, which is sort of funny because I, I feel like we knock it for the reason of it presents this false reality to people. We knock it because it, it, it seems like everyone's living a better life than we are and no one else is struggling. We're in like the silo of like depression or anxiety. And it's, and so what I love about your blog and the video vlogs that you do on Facebook, especially is the fact that you just keep it so freaking real Yes, and there is no faking it. You have no problem saying, no, you know what? I'm giving my kids cereal and chicken nuggets for dinner. (laughs) Right. Hey, we all do that sometimes. Yes. Sometimes you just need them to eat without a fight. (laughs) But it's oh just, my gosh. Yeah. It's just, uh, I feel like there's so many, there's so many different, uh, labels that we're supposed to fit yes. into. And it's just, I appreciate so much that you've got, you've had a beautiful way of just normalizing what real life looks like. And especially for moms and making moms feel like, um, you know what, it's just, sometimes you have hard days and sometimes it's just shit happens, you know? Uh, just normalizing it is such a big part whenever we think about mental health, everything, frankly. Right, right. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I found is that if, um, because truth telling, if you're going to tell the truth, you have to do it when things are hard too, right? Not Mm. just, and it seems like when things get really tough around here, you know, um, we're Amos, we are always doing kind of medicine changes. So we might have a lot of behavior issues and it's hard to talk about those things it's Mm -hmm. it's it's just hard and so as I push through and I talk about it it doesn't own me anymore you know it's like so I'm sort of of that personal I don't know it's it's hard to explain but it it makes it's really brought joy back into my life from that truth telling yes Um, so when people say great for you but I'm really private. I will say, you know, I, I get it, but I'm just going to tell you if you're, it will make your life better. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because you're not holding up like some fake persona and you're not pretending to be something it's exhausting. Like I look out and Lindsay and I've talked about this a million times that the carefully curated, perfect social media pages are incredibly aesthetically pleasing. Like you look at that and you're like, yes, this makes my brain happy. Everything is so orderly. But then in the back of my mind, I'm also thinking, yeah, but where's the real stuff? Where's like the real life? Where's the Mm -hmm. outtakes? And I'm a huge proponent uh, for sharing those outtakes because as a mom, Adrian, you will know this. And as a dog mom, Lindsay, you will know this. (laughs) It probably takes 102 pictures to get one good picture if there are children involved. Or a dog, like, and God forbid you put a children and a dog in one picture, like you're probably at 200, but just being able to see that real side of it and being able to see, um, the reality of motherhood, of life, of just existing is very refreshing. Sure. And, and I think another part of this though, what I'm hearing you comment on Adrian is just the fact that we've, we've kind of talked about this in prior episodes, but this idea of name it to tame it mm. once, once you have a label to kind of associate with what's going on so many times we want to just sort of stay quiet in our own little family dynamic or just between, you know, me and my spouse or whatever, and, and keep it to ourselves. And that's just, it is that silence is really the the deadly killer for so many people in different realms of mental health, regardless of what it is, in the sense that you allow it to steal your joy, you allow it to hijack your emotional experience and what your lived experience is. So when, when you come out into the world and you are open, honest, your most authentic self, you don't have to worry about that shit anymore. 
Mm. It's just out there. So you, you take your power back through truth telling. And I feel like that is what is so empowering about what you do and put out into the world with your, with your blog, to be honest. Um, it's just a matter of kind of getting your power back of saying, you know what, it is really hard to have a child with autism and I'm doing the best that I can. And, you know, some days are better than others. Um, and I think by kind of talking about some of the challenges while hard, you also learn you're not alone mm -hmm. in the process. True. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah, <laughs> I was just sorry. I regress, digress. Something. That's okay. something you were <laughs> so Instagram. Instagram is that place for me where you were saying everything looks perfect, but then I'm like a glutton, right? I I go back to it, and I'm like this person. Like, how do their children? How do they look alike? Like, where does she get the clues? And I just I can't get it. And then I like I'm kind of evil. I'm like, well, wait till they're big. Then they're gonna look terrible. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My children used to look good, but, but one day there was a person and they had their refrigerator and they had these plastic bins in their fridge and everything was like feng shui. I don't know. And I was like, I'm going to do that because that will make my life. Good. So I go buy the, the bins at home goods or wherever I put them in the refrigerator and I fill up this one bin with eggs. It's the eggs. I got it on the shelf. Well, I go take a shower, do something, and Amos, my eight-year-old with autism, he cracks all the eggs in, oh, the, no. in the fridge. Yeah. Oh, no. Why wouldn't he? Right. <laughs> why wouldn't I, he? Uh, Mother Fricker, why <laughs> did this person show that? I mean, that I'm trying to follow her example. And she should have known that. What happened? She was she was full of shit, Adrian. Didn't you figure it oh, out? Oh my gosh. This is me off. I was trying to do the right thing. Oh my goodness. That that is like the home edit style, right? So like it's everything has its place, everything is color coordinated, everything is clear, and you can see and like again, aesthetically pleasing, gorgeous, lovely, beautiful, but like in a house with little children, not always functional. She put a disclaimer on this. <laughs> she, she really should have. She really should have because it's like honestly. Well, that's that's just so when you think about how autism works, it's all about sensory. Yeah. It's all about sensory and neat things. What do they what does it feel like or what does it sound like? Or I think I'll go over here and kind of scoot and take a little <laughs> just do whatever. Um, what are my <laughs> I yes. think I'm going to crack all these eggs. Yes. Yeah. That sounds, Why not? That sounds about right. It tracks friend. It tracks. Yes. <laughs> and that's actually, I used to work with a, a few children with autism in the school system and, uh, oh, I'd love to get into the school system with you, by the way, in this episode, oh. if you're okay with that. But, um, <laughs> uh, so with that being said though, I remember one of the best things a school psychologist said to me was Lindsay when you meet a child with autism you when you meet one child with autism you meet one child with autism mm -hmm. right right so true and, yes and that just i was just like you know what i really appreciate you saying that because it helped me maintain um perspective as well and really understanding and staying present with the fact that every single child's needs present um so differently and require such different um attention and attendance to those needs and attunement mm. to their emotional needs as well. Um, and that's why, I mean, just kind of seeing what you, what you navigate as well, having four children. Um, I, I'd like to kind of go in the direction if, if you're comfortable with discussing the fact that you had these three other children who would be identified as neurotypical for lack of better words. And, you know, what did that, what did that part look like in life in terms of like these beliefs of, you know, my kids are always going to be this way, that way, or this way. Like I've kind of heard you talk on your, your, um, blogs a bit about like, yeah, I never thought my kids would be the ones who did this or would create a scene or do this, that, and the other. Um, and then how things kind of shifted once you had your fourth. Yeah. The, you know, that phrase, I never, <laughs> that like, that is perfect. Burn. Oh yeah. My oh. children are never going to have TV time. My children are never going to eat junk food. My children. Yes. Famous last words, friends. My dad is apparently the only person that remembers all the things that I said. Which 
bring up as my children are like glued to their phones. I didn't, my children will never use technology. I mean, I was like, you know, that was a long time. I've learned Thanks, that. dad. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> he won't let you, he won't let you forget, huh? <laughs> yeah. These, these three kids and I, I think if I had just had them, I would be sitting, I probably wouldn't be with you today because who knows what I would be doing. I really don't know. But I think I would have been giving myself a lot of credit, right? Like I have these children and they, um, they're all bright. They do well in school. They, you know, navigate socially pretty well. And I would have given myself credit. Mm. And, and I was raised, you know, there were two children in my family and we were pushed to work hard, school, you can be anything you want to be. Um, success is the culmination of hard work, not necessarily mm -hmm. brilliance, but you work hard and you succeed. Now, along the way, my older brother died of cancer when he was 19 and I was 15. So I became this kind of default only child. Mm. And really all the more, and I've never really thought about this mm. until I say it out loud, but intrinsic pressure to succeed, right? Because now all eyes are on me. And yeah. so yeah. I grew, I, you know, get a master's, I get a PhD. I mean, I had gotten offered a job um, by Jimmy Buffett to be his like tutor for his children for a year. And my dad was like, no, no, oh no. Oh my no. goodness. I know. I think he saw like my life down the tubes, you know, somehow um, in Margaritaville. But anyway. <laughs> And this is coming from the woman that's never had a margarita. What? <laughs> Adrian. <laughs> what? It's just fun to be able to say that too, because it is true. And so success was this kind of, you know, work hard. And I, so I was married. I had a husband. He was an attorney. You know, I was a Sunday school teacher. I was president of the PTA. Like I had it Checked all. Everything. But... I didn't have joy. And so when Amos came mm. along and he was a surprise um, and he was about maybe two, I knew when he was 10 days old, I knew, I said to myself, this child is different. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until he was about two that it really kind of came to a head and I wasn't sleeping. I couldn't, I just couldn't get it together. I was filled mm -hmm. with of what is this path going to look like? And um this kind mm -hmm. of voice said to me, you used to write. And I thought I did. I used to write. Um, and I really had stopped writing when my brother died. Um, mm -hmm. I kept journal with him and I just put away my, put away my pen. Yeah. And so I, I discovered I had buried all this hurt and heartache with Adam's death and I was keeping it together. Right. Like I was happy. And everything was going to be fine. And then Amos shows up and there wasn't any more room. Mm, I was right. Up. You were over flooded with grief. I was. And so mm -hmm. there's a writing. There was a lot of grieving. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I can cry at the drop of a hat all the time. But I will say after about a year into it, I thought, you know, I have joy again. And I really thought joy wasn't mine anymore. I thought after mm -hmm. Adam, that part of my life, yeah. I'll be happy. I'm not going to really have that. Right. And, and I do. And mm -hmm. I realized that. And it came from that sharing. Now I can't remember the question. But anyway. Oh, I don't know what the question was either. I told you we don't script this stuff. <laughs> I don't know what I said either. Listen, I took my Adderall, but it doesn't mean that I'm actually Hilarious. remembering stuff. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Um, but no, I think that was a beautiful, it's a beautiful response. Cause I think what yeah. you're like, really you're, you're labeling, I think something that is so important that will connect with so many other parents though. And that is the fact that again, while it is hard to articulate or out loud, because I think sometimes acknowledging the grief also comes with a level of guilt, mm. like feeling guilty for grieving, but, but truly i think this is something where parents especially new parents if it's your first child as well of having a child with autism um 
I mean, there's so many different emotions in, in the journey of, of having children, but especially when it comes with so many surprises and there is that level of joy and grief. And, you know, I've talked about this in earlier episodes that we've had, and that is that um, it is my belief um, that really stemmed from a lot of the stuff that I've read by Brene Brown, frankly, and just my interest in Buddhism <laughs> and meditation stuff, is that you cannot experience joy in life without grief. Mm, it's true. I, I I really believe that in order to understand the essence of joy, you have to have experienced suffering on the other side. I think about a spectrum that exists, so to speak. And in order to get to that other side, you have to know suffering so that you can experience and know what gratitude is in order to get to a place of joy. Mm-hmm. I think that's I'm, true. And I'll, I'll circle us back around to what we were, what the original thought was, because Adrian, you did a wonderful oh, job I'm sorry. question without, <laughs> no, 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 because it all pulls together. And I want, like, I want to see this and I want you all to see it because you started the question with, you know, how did your journey in motherhood change from your first three children to that fourth? And how did it change, you know, even prior to having children and the expectations of my kids will never do this. My kids will never do that. And then, you know, life happens and we all get a harsh reality check, but also in bringing your writing back, you took your power back and you took your ability to control the controllable, even though your plan didn't quite turn out like you expected. And I think that's a good message for the folks listening because is everything going to work out exactly as you expect it to heck? No, never. Mm -mm. If one thing does pat yourself on the back, because that's great. Um, but there's always something that you can do something within your power to grab a little bit of that control and that sanity and that self-care back. And I think I love journaling and I love that, that, like that writing piece is what started you on your journey to sharing with other people. Mm -hmm. I would love to, if you, I'd love to hear you say a little bit more about the joy piece. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how this, this presence of joy kind of took you by surprise, frankly, because it was kind of the antithesis of what you were expecting in those moments. Um, where, where did the joy come in with, with your youngest son? Can you comment a little bit about that? Because I feel that your, your, your loyal viewers who know you and see you all the time in your family, they see it, I see it, but how about the people who are listening, who haven't seen, um, what you put out into the universe? Well, I think you, you know, you, I was raised um, as a Christian in the Presbyterian church. And, you know, this mantra of your joy doesn't come from your circumstances was something that was always sort of drilled into me. And I think it's really the, the ownership of what that means. And after my brother died, and then I have this little boy whose path is not, not what I wrote in my planner, right? I had this plan of what was going to happen. Right. I envisioned this fourth child who was going to, I mean, I really could see him running behind his big brothers and sister mm -hmm. and keeping up with everything they were doing and how fun that was going to be. And that ha that has not happened. Um, but his path has been so, it's the success, learning about what success really is has been such a game changer for me. And I think for my husband and my three children, you know, I remember when Amos drank out of a cup for the first time and my older son got teary, you know, I never noticed when those other children drank out of a cup. I mean, they were all talking in church before they were one, you know, I, so suddenly I was noticing these Thoreau's mosquito wings and just how great it was. And it's not always good things. I mean, sometimes it's just the acknowledgement of one day. So when he was super little, we would go to therapy at the hospital probably 10 times a week. And one morning we woke up and, and unfortunately it's like two miles away, but I got up, the cat had peed, you know, on something. I cleaned that up, get my coffee. I'm getting out of the car, get Amos out of the car seat. And I go to drink my coffee and I'd wash my hand 
but my hands smelled like cat urine. And I puked like in the parking lot at the hospital. And I mean, I was like, this is disgusting. And this is so funny. I mean, you know, this is funny. Like this, <laughs> this is toy, right? And so when the, the box of Fruit Loops has been flung around or the eggs are all cracked, you know, I think I've learned to stop and say, it's this is okay. You know, it this is okay because my joy be hinged on everything going the way it should be. It should. Um, and, you know, I just never, I guess I've learned that Amos is literally the most successful person I know. And I don't know what his future looks like. I, um, but I know he's successful. Yeah. And he's enough. That's enough. Mm. That's enough. Mm, I'm getting, I'm, I am teary just from hearing you talk about this because I, I feel that what, what children like Amos brings to the world is teaching us, right? Teaching us the mom who has the PhD and master's degree and has all the things <laughs> teaches people about mindfulness mm. in a way that cannot be learned in a book. They can, it can truly only be learned in these life experiences um, because children with autism, they're living in the here and now, always, always. always. Right, right. Always. Well, he lives about three days ahead if there's a airplane. <laughs> He's early. We're flying out on Monday and I mean, he tickled to pieces he doesn't even care where you go he just like the whole activity like i was like born to a chic so you had action oh. and you would have had a wonderful life um so he so. just wants to get on the airplane and experience oh, all the things the He's just, thing. the yes the anticipation of going on the airplane you know wreaking i just think that's airplane. awesome oh yeah um yes is I will say when you were when you were talking about that the world view and so I think one of my hardest one of my biggest struggles is we live in a tiny town and we're, we're pretty insulated like I can I can go most everywhere with Amos everybody knows him you know he might roll around on the floor at Mamacita's nobody I don't feel embarrassed right but those times that I go into the, the bigger world and it's this argument that myself has with myself of how much do I let him be him and how much do I have to get him to follow the world's rules right because yeah. in reality you have to do it both and yeah. it's hard as a month of wanting acceptance for him but then wanting him it's just it's really tricky um or if he's you know on a scooter in the air. Anyway, it's tricky of knowing where is that line? Where's the line? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know it myself, you know, does anyone no, I mean, I, I, no, here, please call me. <laughs> yes. Uh, please, you can call do. me too. You can put oh. me on that because I was like, say, wait, add me too. <laughs> I have, so we mentioned, I have two children and my children are very strong-minded. They're very opinionated. They're very strong. They're your children. <laughs> They're right. yours. <laughs> right. I know. I know. Strong-willed um, parents produce strong-willed children. Good luck, girl. Yeah. Realizing it's a constant argument with myself. Like you said, I'm like, okay, like as they're asserting their independence and as they're forming their belief systems and as they are learning what is and is not acceptable, like how much of that do I try to conform to society to make their lives easier in the future? And how much of it do I just fan the flames and let them burn it down? Like it's a daily thing because you have not met Hazel at this point, Adrian, but someday you might. Um, and she is an absolute firecracker and she has no hesitation to question authority. She has no hesitation to demand something that she thinks is not fair in a situation. And sometimes she does it politely. Sometimes she doesn't. Um, She's a justice seeker. <laughs> that one is a justice seeker for sure. But you're right. That daily battle of 
how much of this do I quote unquote allow, which if you've met my children, I allow a lot. Um, and I won't apologize for that because they are tiny humans and I think they're fantastic, but also how much of it do I want to help set them up in the future so that it's not as hard. And I mean, that's, it's tough and it's tough as a parent in general, but I can only imagine the additional thoughts that go through your mind with a child with special needs. Yeah. <laughs> You're, but you know, with Amos, at least it's like I, with my other children, I feel like it's not as, um, I remember when my daughter Blair, who sounds like Hazel is like her spirit animal. <laughs> Blair was about five or six. And I realized what we, we were out in public and she did something she would have done at home. And I was mortified. Right. So I was mm. like, Ooh, maybe it was cute when you were two and you're getting older, but you know, my son Russell was at <laughs> one day saw a friend downtown and she said, Oh, how was your trip to Alaska? We, my parents had taken us to Alaska. And his response was, I don't really feel like talking right now. Fair. And yeah, that, that was nice. And my older son, <laughs> mom, Russell was so rude to Miss Bean or whatever. And, you know, apologize. And I said, you know, you, you can always be polite, right? You can say it was nice. Thank you. That is Mm -hmm. like, you know, so I think as they get older, it does get a little bit easier. What, what I find is really hard is when they're babies, you know what to do, right? You get the bob, you nurse, you put them to bed, you change the diaper, like you got it. Your Mm -hmm. biggest I get a white warmer or not? What kind of stroller do I need? Well, now they're, they're teenagers and they they party and you say, well, are you going to invite so-and-so? And And they'll say, well, that person vapes. And I don't know if I really want to have them. And then you're saying, well, I don't know if they should have them. Right. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, I don't know the answers now myself to this, this part of parenting. And, um, it's really, I think you're letting them be strong humans. It, it has, I have seen that come full circle in a good way of they're able to make pretty good choices in general. And they feel they have a lot of confidence in their decisions. And fortunately they they've seemed good so far. I know they, you know, won't always be, but um, it's been good to have, you know, a backbone. And I think you're absolutely right. And I appreciate you sharing that with me because I often question, I'm like, is this the right thing? Because, you know, if you follow, if you look at social media and um, parenting books and all the things, you get all the information, but there aren't. Yes. You know, I mean, you just get a lot of like, well, you you get a lot of opinions and a lot. Right. Yes. You know, times change and everybody does things differently. And my goal is, and um, I think I've shared this on here before, but my goal is that when the children have to make hard decisions, they don't feel like they have to come to me, but they feel like they can come to me. Like they have the wherewithal to make a healthy decision for them. Like, you know, your child said, I don't feel like talking right now. Like that, while it may seem a little bit like off the cuff or a little bit um, abrupt, I think that's a wonderful statement because yes, you're entitled to not want to talk about things with people. Like that is okay. No is a complete or, sentence. Yes, that's right. Oh, you're, right. If you do not feel like giving someone a hug, it is okay to not give that person Amen. a hug. Yes. Um, I'm, I mean, so I know I am not a mother in this trio though, as we speak, but I am not a mother, but I, ironically, I am a therapist who works specific, excuse me, specifically with children and families um, Mm. to kind of navigate these things. So, um, you know, I don't have all the answers either. Mm. (laughs) And I'm not a parent. While I am a therapist, (laughs) and I've read lots of books. um, No, I don't have the answers either. And I think what it comes down to is the fact that every every individual person has their own individual lived experiences and everything needs to kind of be tailored to that individual and where they are. So while I did make the comment earlier, one child with autism is one child with autism. um, I do feel that on the whole, that's how it is with human beings, um, you know, on a, on a broad, in a broad kind of sweeping brush here that you can't kind of make assumptions about how every person's going to do their thing. I mean, your children, Adrian, are at this age, especially the teenagers, that is like peak time for identity development, really honing on it and on your core values um, and, and kind of finding people that align with those core values. So uh, that's, 
And that is exactly what's been happening. And I didn't well, that, know that. I'm, that's what I'm hearing you say. I mean, that's the therapist side of me speaking <laughs> here. I mean, yes, that's what I'm hearing you say. Oh, big time. That mm -hmm. is, fortunately, it's, it's working out well. It right? sounds like that's what I mean. You've done a pretty damn good job yeah. momming them. So give yourself some credit. Mom. Again, kudos <laughs> to you. Like job well done, friend. Yeah, oh. I think for real, hold space for that. Because that's what, and that's the other thing, right? For Mother's Day, I feel like it, there shouldn't just be one day a year to celebrate what goes down every single day. Um, right. You know, the stuff that, that moms have to navigate on, on the daily uh, whether it's, you know, dealing with the social constructs of being a stay at home mom versus a working mom or, um, you know, to breastfeed, to not breastfeed, to, to do this, to not do that. It's just, it's ridiculous how much, uh, y'all have to go through, frankly. Um, and then trying to hold the house together and be a good spouse and all the things. It's a wild ride for sure. And I mean, society mm -hmm. doesn't help. And this is one of those situations that I think Lindsay, you and I, Again, we go after social media for shaming moms and for shaming people in general. And I think we can use this time to do something different and we can say, yeah. you know what, your life, your house may be in disarray today might not have gone well. Like a few weeks ago, I don't even remember when my husband was out of town. I decided to go visit Lindsay and take the children. I decided to take the children bowling, um, <laughs> And I had this whole image in my head of how bowling was going to go. The kids were going to have a blast. We were going to have fun. Like it was going to be a whole thing. Mm. I said, mm. Amber, you're brave girl doing that by yourself. Have fun. And I'm like, you're why brave. am I brave? Like I'm going in public with my children now. <laughs> exactly. <mind you. laughs> I have anxiety about going in public with my children. So like Lindsay already knows this about me. So I was trying to step up and I'm like, no, bowling alley is a safe space. You know, the doors shut. They can't get too far. That kind of thing. Um, not to mention my husband and I've been going to this bowling alley. He's been there since he was five. I've been there since I was like 13. So everybody knows us. Well, yeah. the long story shorter or longer, um, I take them and I have this idea in my head and I'm like, this is going to be so great. We're going to have like fun with mom because so often my husband gets to be the fun parent because yeah. he's, that's just his role. And, yeah. um, it was a disaster. Like it was not a disaster, but it was a disaster if I compare it to my plan for the outing because right. Right. Hudson, my youngest, threw like three frames and he was like, I'm done. I'm ready to go. And like legit walked to the doors. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you like, you can't, you don't, you have to wait. Like we, you can't leave without me. And Hazel's like, well, I'm not ready to go. I still want a bowl. So then I'm navigating like, okay, I have one child that wants to leave. I have one child that's having the time of her life. Like Okay, so we're gonna at least finish the game. And my son proceeded to like make it very apparent that he was not enjoying the fact that he did not get to leave exactly when he wanted to. And I'm like mortified because he's um, acting up, quote unquote, in the bowling making alley. Making a scene, yeah. Making a scene, doing the things. And he's just like, he's being himself and he would have acted like this at home. But my inside mom voice was like, oh my gosh, you, you're doing something terrible. You haven't parented him correctly. like. And it rolls through the dialogue of you're a terrible mom. Like you've done something wrong. This is your fault. And I was like, where's this voice coming from? Like where, this is nonsense. Like society, and, that's like, where society. that shit's coming from. Society right. trying and to it, rob you of your joy. Right now we ended up having fun. We ended up being able to go and see Lindsay afterward and having an adventure where my children were very loud. You um, come to Miss Lindsay's house makes everything better. <laughs> that's okay. But it That's just reminds me that like, we all hear that voice and we all hear that societal pressure of you're doing it wrong. Um, so I just, yeah, yeah. Yes. I want to switch gears for a bit. Um, I really yeah. want to switch gears to kind of focus on, um, kind of the other piece of what we see Adrian do with her blog, uh, yes. which is raise, I mean, she, Adrian, you do more than just raise awareness about autism. And I think it's important for the people who have not heard of you, who should get to know you. Um, you raise awareness about important issues across the board, um, whether it be world events or it you've, you've touched a lot on the Ukraine-Russia conflict, which I don't believe we should call a conflict anymore, but so much as a freaking genocide. Um, right. Right. But you've touched a lot on that and uh, in a very educational 
manner. You've, you've really raised tremendous levels of awareness around different school boards and school districts, the, the entire Emily Pennington case that took place in Billings, Montana, which, you know, that, that whole thing was a complete disaster. Um, there's so many different pieces and parts that you bring to light uh, to to busy moms and people all over who follow yes. your followers that maybe don't have time to get up up to speed with all the things that are going on but then hopping on seeing that you're live you give a quick rundown of what's going on it's funny because you kind of turn into like the living room news anchor <laughs> but Dave, i love that Adrian. Yeah. Yes. David, there you go. There you go. And that's the thing is that so for it to be called Tales of Educated Debutante, you said that you've got a master's and a PhD. And I'd love to know what are your master's and PhD in? What did you study? Because you're you are, it's very clear you're incredibly bright. What did you study? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm that smart. I I I never broke a thousand on the SAT. So I always um, say there, oh, I didn't either. <laughs> I mean, damn it. It's, it's a real shame. I don't test that way. I don't test that way. I don't, I don't, I think I was just lazy back then. I got, you know, now if I went to college, I'd probably do great. I have a master's degree in education um, with, I did a one-year master's program instead of Jimmy Buffett. Um, with, Are you kidding me? That's what you chose over Jimmy Buffett? I hope well, he understands really, this. <laughs> it was, a, it was a directive and an early intervention and then with a specialty in inclusion, funny enough, and um, considering my life right. now, and mm -hmm. then I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. So I applied for a PhD program. Um, so I was at Chapel Hill for my master's and NC State for my PhD. And it's an educational research and policy analysis. And what? so that was a good. Um, so I'm particularly I love. I love all things education. I love policy. I, I just like it. So when I had started writing early on, I was like, this is going to be great. Actually, I'm going to write about wow. education. Well, it tanked. I mean, ain't nobody wants to hear about education. They want to hear about, you know, your silly fruit loops. <laughs> they want to hear about your fruit loops yeah. spilling. <laughs> so I had to really build up an audience to get to get to do some of those things, because there are things that I write about that. I mean, I, if I write about politics, I lose followers. If I, mm, yeah, right. People, yeah. People not touching those subjects. Well, it's, it's a financial decision, right? Because they yeah. think that yeah, I'm going to lose followers. That means I make mm -hmm. less ever, but I'm, I, I'm willing or I'm unwilling to, to do that. I You're just, unwilling to compromise your value system. See, this is where your kids get it from. <laughs> I yeah, love it. I feel now there are times that I don't say anything, but it is because I, I genuinely don't know how I feel about it. And I'll sure. give you an example. That's it's, okay. You don't yeah, have to have an opinion about everything. That's okay. But I want to be informed if I speak, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I speak, it's because I don't feel informed. And one of the biggest, most recent example has been the transgender swimmer. That's uh, right. That's right. Double A um, tournament, and she. That's really. I've spent. It's unfortunate because I've spent a ton of time really reading it, everything I could find for and against, you know. Mm -hmm. And I still don't know how I feel. And so I do have a subscriber group, and we do delve into some topics like that. It's a little safer, smaller space. Sure. Yeah. Um, because I want to hear what people have to say too. Yep. You know, yeah, I'm I'm not the expert. Um, so I do try to if I come out with a, a position on something, I feel pretty strongly that it's right. The right. You stand in it and you stand in it boldly. And I think that what is powerful about that is that you end up speaking for vulnerable populations who are not having their voices heard, mm -hmm. which is frankly what this podcast with a purpose is all about. Frankly, that's what What the Fox is all about is giving rise to silence voices. And that's yeah. honestly a beautiful segue to, to frankly, the um, Emily Pennington uh, situation that took place in Billings, which has has been a mess. Um, would you mind sharing with our listeners just because I think, listen, I understand there's lots of different caveats and tidbits or what have you, but just for our listeners sake, for them to have a use, this as an example to just shed light on how small, small little towns, frankly, and 
just a couple people who are key decision makers can absolutely make sweeping changes or decisions that affect people's lives. This is where I feel like people who who say and minimize, like they don't really care about their local politics because it's the federal government that rules everything. This case, let this case highlight why it's so important to know what is going on in your community. Do you mind sharing that case with us, Adrian? I don't. And I would say also, I think is the more and more I've delved into topics like this, the more I've realized how it is so important that we we know politics and that we know politicians and that we know I who agree. Who we know Listen, who this, this is like my I am super passionate about this. So that, the fact that you have your PhD studying this stuff, I'm like, well, no wonder, girl, this is your purpose right here. Like you well, <laughs> I but you know, I wasn't always that way. And so that's okay. You grew I, into I, it. <laughs> I've come to this point from seeing like holy cow, I used to think of politicians as being kind of on pedestals. Mm. And the more I get to know them, I think, it's particularly North Carolina, you know, you make 13,000 a year. And I think, well, that's all on purpose because they don't want anybody educated to run for those jobs because they can't afford to, right? Who can afford to make 13,000 a year? So that's really the game plan to keep- people, people who work with lobbyists. <laughs> Those right. those people, <laughs> those people too. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't they plot? The lobbyists make plot, right? Yeah. Depending on what, if I mean, it's you're right. Local, the local people. Yes, you're right. Local people, they don't get they don't get paid too much. But the lob the people you know who might get some cash from the lobbyists, the public mm -hmm. money is pretty low. But then all of a sudden they're going home to their mansion. But that's okay. right. But we can't have you don't see some amazing teacher running for senate. You right. know. And sense that a teacher would run for Senate, but a teacher needs her salary or his salary mm -hmm. work for 13,000 a year. Right. Not going to happen. Um, so anyway, so with Emily Pennington, young lady in Billings, Montana, pretty small town. And you go back to 1975, before 1975, if you had a disability, you were not legally allowed to go to public school in the in the country. So some, some schools, some states did allow children with disabilities to come, but legally you did not have to. So what would happen is if you had an Amos or oftentimes a child with, let's say Down syndrome, and it was time to go to kindergarten, you're not going to kindergarten. And so mm -hmm. children had been home with their families. And then their option was, you're going to go live in this institution during the week, maybe all the time. And that's where you're going to get your education. So I think we have this false sense that people had babies with disabilities and they put them in institutions. It's not really what happened. It was more, and I've heard from the siblings oftentimes of these children, of the mothers and fathers that were just destroyed to drop their mm -hmm. five-year-olds off in institutions, but they, they wanted them to have the best, right? And that was, all, that was all they had. Mm -hmm. And so th that was in 1974, I guess, not five. Well, the federal law says you, we will serve children with disabilities from ages three to 21. Up until a month ago, I thought everybody serves from three to 21. So I did too, just to insert a little disclaimer here. I, okay. I, as someone who has worked on a lot of different or attended a lot of IEP meetings, 504 meetings, worked with people in the schools, advocated for my families and kids in schools. I also thought this until I saw what you were sharing and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my it, gosh. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to let you know, you're not alone in that. I also no, was just like blown away. Yeah, I got a phone call from a, a girl, my big sister, where I went to high school, who is like the head attorney for the General Assembly in Georgia. And she's like, no, they have to do this. It's illegal. I was like, ah, no, it's not. Oh, wait, I'm can you share what what the issue is, though? Because our listeners still haven't heard what the issue is. So, so the law says, I wish I had it in front of me. The law it's says okay. you are going to serve children ages three to 21. But then there's a caveat. There is unless your state doesn't have a law that you will do that. AKA the state can trump the federal law. So the state exemption is written into the federal law. That's right. Which is very unusual, I'm told. Highly unusual. So 
Montana is the only state that stopped serving children with disabilities at age 19. Um, North Carolina is 21, just for record. Most most states are. So Emma Pennington, junior in high school, young lady with Down syndrome, fourth child. And she's really such a, just a model of inclusion. Her family has worked tirelessly to make sure that she's mainstream. She's trot out, made the cheerleading squad, made right. the basketball team. I mean, she is killing it. I mean, she's just amazing, super social, and she's a junior in high school. And the school system has always said to her family, you know, she's going to have to quit school because she's going to be turning 19 in July. So she's mm. not going to have the senior year. And her mother said, well, I'm just, I think we're going to have to change the law by then. I'm not going to worry about it. Right. So, so just, to, just to rehash that, right? So we're talking about this is a family where a 19-year-old uh, a girl that will be 19 entering her senior year is told, hey, you've done all this schooling up until junior year, and now we're just not going to let you finish your senior year, and so we'll you are not allowed to graduate. graduate. You can graduate. But you not... But you're not going to have your senior year, right? Which it's me so condescending, right? Because it's well, that's like, why I, that's why I'm like, it's not really graduating. I mean, you're you you're depriving of this girl. Yeah, yeah, here's a traumatic incident, and then we're going to give you graduation. Okay, right. thanks. Right. We're going to not treat you like we would a typical teenage girl right. who graduation senior year is huge with every teenage girl on the planet. But we're going to pretend that Emily's just doesn't not aware of those things, right? The Montana changed the law two years ago and said, if you want districts, there's a lot of local control in Montana, districts that want to continue to serve these children, we will fund them. And so that passed in July and um, Billings was, this was brought to Billings attention by the family, no response, no response, no response. Right. Response. And the mother put up a Facebook post and one of my followers happened to send it to me. And it was immediately clear, you know, a lot of times you might say, well, let's, there's a lot more behind the scenes work of what I do than just writing a story. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. we can solve problems and it never makes it to my blog. You know, we might can make a phone call. I can encourage a parent, hey, here's who you should talk to. Right. Just be like, oh, we're sorry. We're wrong. Well, not no, no. These people weren't taking any sense of social responsibility. They were mm-hmm. being um, pretty indignant, if you will. Yes. And so I um, talked to Emily's mom pretty quickly, shared a story, did a video. And it was a, maybe a Friday and it was real quiet that weekend. And I was like, damn, these people are like, they are really hard asses. Well, they couldn't take it anymore. Monday morning, they just poof. The house of cards fell down. They're like, we're having meetings. You know, they're calling me like people are threatening us. I'm like, you know, you're on the school board. This is your job. You know, I'm sorry that your feelings are hurt, Mm -hmm. but you have responsibility too. not just. But if you want to run for office, get your big girl pants on, you know, for sure. That's (laughs) for sure. That's right. So there's a social responsibility stepping into these roles. So if you can't do your part, then clearly you need to step off. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And it's money and it's um, money is probably a lot of it. And and our attitude towards people with disabilities, you know, we love to Mm -hmm. be inclusive and we want everybody to, you know, everybody wants to support. Right. That's just the social media version though. Adrian, it's not true. That's just until it's inconvenient, right? We want to support, we want to be inclusive until it's inconvenient. If that means we get your vote, we're going to include you. But then as soon as it's time to discuss funding, we're going to shift gears a little bit behind the scenes. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. This is going to be the best video. You've just given me the best topic. Social media (gasps) disabilities. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, good. I can't wait to hear it. Please well, tag us in that. I can't wait it, to hear it too. <laughs> that I, I think about because it's, it's true. And it's like when it, when rubber meets the road, you know, do you, and you're expecting a baby with Down syndrome, the majority of them are aborted. And it's not because it's because there's this feeling of you're lesser than you know, or Iceland says we've eradicated Down syndrome. And 
I think if we really shared the truth of the disability, it wouldn't be, it'd be like, if you found out you're having Michael Jordan, you wouldn't be thinking, well, should I not continue with this pregnancy? Mm-hmm. And you know? not to mention, don't, I mean, let's abortion laws have now changed all over the United States or are actively yeah. changing. So I know not to get into it, but I'm just saying it's just another freaking part of the politics. And not, yeah, I don't, I don't, I really don't venture into abortion. In no, the, no, no, no. I feel like it's so tricky for me personally, but I do. I do look at research and the research says we are aborting children with disabilities. Yes. Yes. And we're inclusive, but we can't be because the research shows opposite, you know? Um, and mirrors. Yeah. And I remember when we were, Amos has a genetic disorder and, um, we thought he had one and the, the first one that they had said that they thought it was, is inherited on the female, female genes. And it ended up not being that, but at the time, you know, this question was, if it went from my mother to me, to Blair, what would Blair's chance be of having a child with a disability, an Amos? Mm -hmm. I said to her, and she was pretty little, like Hazel's age. I said, you know, because I just couldn't help myself. I said, how would you feel if you were going to have, yeah, have a baby and you were going to have an Amos, a baby, just like Amos. And I mean, my, I held my breath and she said, I would be so excited because he's, I love him. And, you know, even at the time she knows what life is like with Amos, you know, she's but she, my children know as well as anybody what it's like to have a sibling with a disability. I mean, they, they live it. They know when stuff's mm-hmm. or we have to leave a restaurant or, you know, I mean, they mm-hmm. live it. So for her to just have this different kind of acceptance where she gets the genetic test and she says, oh, well, it's going to be different, but it's okay. You know, I, I didn't have that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, now look at you, look at you being a, a, a change maker and a cycle breaker. Well, I mean, just, <laughs> I, I you know, I don't, I don't know why I didn't. I probably wasn't listening. Um, but I think families do tend to, there's something about with your typical children, you feel like you can complain about them and you're not like, you shouldn't feel guilty where with a child with a disability, mm-hmm. I try to complain about Amos because I want to normalize that it doesn't have anything to do with love for him. Right. The same complaint about yeah. my eight-year-old son. I can complain about my eight-year-old son. You know, that's right. That's but right. It's that voice inside saying, "Well, you do that." You know, so it's kind of turning that off. I think. Yes. Yes. Oh, and it's hard. It's hard to do because again, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of stigma and shame mm-hmm. and guilt and all these other pieces that that come from so many different directions as well as our social constructs that. Um, of what we're supposed to do that, that screws it all up for all of us. So other I mean, people's opinions, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, but I, I do want to, I, I just want to circle back really quickly. Is there any way you can kind of give us just a quickie update on kind of what happened with that Emily Pennington case in terms of, um, cause you, you created a lot of noise, girl. You got a lot of people up there rallying, it. rallying for this girl to get her senior year. So, you know, of note for our listeners, we're not recording this on the same date that we're airing it. So so this is the most update, up-to-date information that we have for the now. Um, so what so is the, the most up-to-date? There was a special meeting. There will be another meeting pretty soon um, for the official vote. But the, the meeting, I believe Emily will have her senior year in Billings. Um, if anything, I was pretty impressed. The school board said we are not going to just do through age 19, we would like to add it to 21. And they sort of made the exception rule wider than the state law necessitates. That's a word. Because um, you, I was thinking like you could have a child that was in a car accident and had to miss a year of school or all sorts of things could happen. So I was pretty impressed with, with that thought. So I think Emily will will have her senior year. And because of her, many other students will as well. And hopefully the state of Montana and the other districts, it'll give parents some knowledge about 
how to go about saying, hey, Billings is doing it. We'd like That's to. That's right. Amazing. So because of you, though, and this is where I don't want to minimize credit, though, is that not, I'm not saying because the whole, this took a village. This took a village. I'm not trying to take away from that. But I also I I keep wanting to say I feel like you you got to give yourself credit where credit is due. And I feel like this is a typical mom thing of where we kind of want to deflect certain pieces. But like you deserve some credit in this because you did play a part in getting people interested in something mm. that maybe they didn't know about before you got people to sign petitions that maybe they didn't even know existed maybe they didn't know why it was important and because it wasn't happening in their backyard they didn't really care but because you're a relatable person and because you are authentic in your blogs people connect with that and people can see the human experience in that way and say wow if this is happening through this person who is so human to me that I can connect mm -hmm. with and identify with, then this could happen to my family or my whatever. Um, and so I, I feel like there there was a sense that you had a sense of agency in this as well as all of the other people in Montana and so forth. But it, um, I think that goes to show the beauty and power behind certain elements of influencers that do yes. use social media for the greater good. Absolutely. Thank you. I, I, I do agree uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I do have this, this platform that I've worked really hard to build. And if I'm going to, I want it, I want it to be for good. You know, mm. I'm not going to share the messed up fruit loops. I don't know if that's really helping <laughs> anybody, but um, it matters. Yeah, it, <laughs> it matters to me, you know, it matters to me. And I want my I see my children being invested in it and, you know, Blair will say, well, Emily's petition is up to maybe 175,000 signatures. Um, I checked this morning and, you know, they're asking, or my son is now, my children are on social media, which is a whole nother podcast. But, <laughs> Indeed. You're welcome to come back. Yes. <laughs> uh, really allowed to talk about, but you know, they're like following and I know their friends are seeing it, you know? And mm. so we're, what are those children learning? Um, and, you know, there are really good humans on this planet. Yes, there, there are, are. There are such people are inherently good and they need. People need something to stand behind. And I mm. think sometimes everything is so polarizing yeah. that it's like it's OK to just say, hey, here's a cause. And I, what I feel is that my people are like oh my gosh, like they're so thankful to know about it, just like I am, that right. um, we want to look for ways for people to help and make the world better. That's you know? right. Absolutely. We're, we have the same mission as you do in that sense. Right. I mean, that's truly what our mission is, even within the podcast is, is hoping that, you know, people, and by the way, just shout out to anyone who does have a story they want to share with us or these kind of, um, uh, positions where they are using their voice for the greater good to create change. Like that's what we're all about in terms of having people like yourself come on to share because it does make a difference. And so many people think about systemic change being something that must come from the top. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we, we really need to deconstruct that and, and kind of do away with that, that old way of thinking, because I believe that's that's exactly what you are proving is that it doesn't have to come from the top. It comes from the the powers with the people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, y'all. Yeah, it's I mean, obviously, you. Yeah, you're a perfect example. It can happen in lots of different ways on different. And it is the beauty of social media. And I, I kind of lump podcast into social media. I guess they're sure. not. I mean, yeah. that's fine. There are people that are kind of like, oh, I don't do social media or I don't do, I don't do, you know, I never say never, but I'm like, you know, you have to look at. Not anymore. <laughs> you know, the real benefits ever. You can use everything to good. You Absolutely. Know? Well, honestly. Right. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, Lindsay. It's okay, Amber. I just know that we're wrapping up. So go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was actually just going to say, we've covered so many amazing topics. I took a ton of notes. Um, I just. Adrian, I love the way that you share things. I love the way your eyes light up and the way that I can like see and feel the passion on you. Obviously the folks listening to us and not watching on YouTube can't see that. So highly recommend you folks find us on YouTube, subscribe and watch the videos because I can see how your heart lights up when you start mm -hmm. talking about these things. And when 
I see the change you are manifesting in not only just your immediate community, but the communities far and around you. So I thank you for that. And I thank you for spending time with us. Yeah. Um, this, I didn't oh, know if you had anything my, else. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it was my pleasure. My, my pleasure. We'd like to give you a little, uh, just a minute for a, a quick plug. If you would like to let people know who, who are not familiar with how to follow you, whether it be on Instagram, Facebook, or a website, please let our listeners know, how do they find you? So you just type in Tales of an Educated Debutante, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I don't really understand Twitter. I'm trying. I have, <laughs> it's just the sky on my It's first. okay, girl. <laughs> It's okay. It's all right. You're not, you're not missing out on too much right now, at least not in this world of, uh, it's a lot of banter, a lot of polarizing banter going on right now. So tiring. So, um, so so please do. I'm, I'm always thankful to have new folks and, um, to, to learn just as much as Likewise, and please follow us, What the Fox Podcast on Instagram, on, uh, Facebook as well. We do have a, Listen, we have our link tree in the show notes. So just go there and see all the social media stuff. Cause like <laughs> all the snapfish and all yes, that. I know I keep calling Snapchat snapfish. It's ridiculous. <laughs> my favorite thing. Oh, gosh. oh my gosh. It has been a true pleasure spending time with y'all today. I look forward to another episode in the future. I think we've uncovered lots of topics that we can yeah. go on to discuss, uh, but just great spending time with y'all. Thank y'all you, too. Adrian. Thank you. See you Bye, next y'all. Tuesday. And we all say everything is gonna be just fine. It's gonna fall into place. The sun is gonna set on your terrible day.